Hello and welcome to the award-winning Canine Hoopers World podcast. Everyone's invited. Hello everybody and welcome to the brand new season of Canine Hoopers World the podcast. This is now season three which is mental. This is the 151st episode ever of Canine Hoopers World the podcast but it's episode one for us today and I'm very excited with my guest. Um, This is someone that I have been Facebook friends with for a very long time and we are in each other's groups. Their Facebook group has over 5,000 members because this lady knows her shiz. Holly Barker of Holly Barker Sports Dog Nutrition. How are you? Very good, thank you. Oh, we've been, we've been, we've been bombed by, by an Alita. Get down. <laughs> There's a random collie in the background and it's cool. It's all right. Random. Only the audio. So unless they join in vocally, no one knows the dog there. It's fine. Oh, that's fine. I'm very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Thank you for having me on. It's exciting. Well, thank you for coming. Like, honestly, I've you've been on my, like, guest list for a long time. So I'm glad to have managed to have got you, got you pinned down, as it were, because you have been extremely busy yes. over the pandemic. Because not only are you a fabulous sports dog nutrition, but also thank you for being a nurse. No worries. It's, um yeah, it's been, been fun. <laughs> it's been interesting. Do you know, it's, it's, it's not. It, it has been difficult and it has been challenging, but I am glad to have experienced it mm-hmm. um, because learning, you know, just just maturing as a person and um, learning how to deal, how to deal, um, not just with like the pandemic stuff, but balancing everything and, yeah. and knowing my limits because they were pushed, big yeah. time they were pushed, yeah. Um, and also, re- so um, I'm a mental health nurse, um, but I work in a closed unit. Mm-hmm. So when we got infected the first round, mm-hmm. well, people that there aren't necessarily physically unwell, but mentally very, very unwell mm-hmm. um, on some serious medication as well, which can affect immunity and stuff like that. So when we got hit, we just didn't know what to expect at all. And it was nothing it was nothing like how we thought it would be you know symptom wise didn't fit it was it was you know a massive a massive thing navigating our way through that um but I like to kind of you know I'm very matrony nurse (laughs) boundaries um quite strict not in a mean way but it's really important to have boundaries and and, uh, you know I stick by them um and then I thought I was, I wouldn't say cold because you can't be a nurse and be cold because you need therapeutic relationships. But I thought I was, you know, fairly, fairly um, stoic, I would say. And then, you know, when my first patient died, I was absolutely broken. And then the next one and the next one. And it just really made me feel like, because before the pandemic, I was like, mm, am I going to keep nursing? Should I do the canine nutrition full time? I could do if I wanted to. Is my heart in nursing? And then going through that, it was really affirming that, yeah, this, you, you can have two, two calls in life and, and it yeah. appears that I've got one. And, you know, I, you know, I just, I love the people that I look after. I really, yeah. really do. And it was really hard losing them um, and, and not being able to matter, you know, what skills you have, you know, having to accept that, right, I, I can't save them. All I can do is give them a good death. 
that must have been really tough as massive. well because I think mental health has definitely been spoken about a lot more since yeah. the pandemic. I think if one good thing has come from the mental shit show that has happened globally, it's that we are all talking a lot more about mental health and how, you know, just the way everyone's routines were changing and how much it was affecting everyone, the isolation that some people were experiencing. You know, I mean, I get anxiety at times and my anxiety has gone through the freaking roof yeah. because there were literally days where we wouldn't really go out or if we did go out, it was just to walk the dog quickly. It wasn't to like, you know, go out to places, you know, it, yeah. it just, I think it made everyone a lot more aware that there were kind of, everyone was affected differently. But also I think the flip side of it, the bad side of it is it's made a lot of people really, really fucking angry yes. and just horrible. Like and just horrible. Trauma. You know, when you speak to traumatized people, one of the most pervasive symptoms of trauma is rage. Mm -hmm. It's hard for people to describe. It's hard for them to manage. And it's one of the, the strongest emotions that, that presents itself as a, a symptom of trauma. And when I try to say to people, this pandemic has traumatized everyone. It has, because it can't not do, because, you know, the, the, the very, very simplest of explanations of trauma, it is that you have been in fear of your your life or your welfare mm -hmm. Dead simple and when you turn on the news every day and it's deaths 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 and then it's people arguing about vaccines and it's people arguing about you know horse wormers or whatever it is you know the, yeah. there's so much misinformation so much disinformation yeah a, a, a yes camp a no camp you know being being split apart and people just feeling completely in limbo with this looming imminent threat mm -hmm. to your health and your well-being and possibly your life overarching all of it and everyone whether they like it or not is going to on some level be traumatized that unless they're living in a cave and they have no idea that a pandemic has happened and and accepting that is why everyone's having to talk about their mental health now because it's it's a big thing there's no one that's escaped it we all wake up every day and now it's a thing that's in our lives that wasn't before yeah and I think that's maybe one of the reasons as well why so many people went out and got pets whether it was dogs or cats or whatever you know people suddenly had this void and they were trying to fill it with something I mean I always joke you know the pan I would have got through the pandemic the main bit with the girls but having Dodge definitely added that extra layer of I have to walk the dog I have to get up I have <coughs> because I couldn't just sit at home because I had a delinquent German shepherd in the house that needed to do stuff um I think that it's good for us to kind of explain to people that, you know, trauma is very real and we are all affected by it because we talk about it in dogs. And I, I mean, the episode I did with Andrew Hale was brilliant because we were talking about the emotional kind of experience that dogs have when we're training. And obviously I'm very pro positive reinforcement and we try and make sure that we're not using any force or scaring the dogs to do stuff that we need them to do. 
um, or we wish that they can do. And I'm very much, you know, it's a cue, not a command and the language that we use. But I do think that the pandemic's opened a lot of eyes, but also I think it's in some cases brought a lot more kind of community and it's brought some of us a lot closer together. It's also made us realize like, things like Zoom and recording podcasts can easily be done on the internet and we don't have to drive three hours to get someone's house to have a chat. Yeah, definitely. You know, the communities that have sprung up, and I spoke about this on my group actually, because again, through the pandemic wasn't, you know, that took up all my time. The other thing that happened where I work is I was nurse, like on the floor, just mm -hmm. staff nurse. And then the... Um, deputy manager left so I was promoted to deputy manager and so I was deputy manager when it was all kicking off and then when it really 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 kicked off our manager went AWOL he couldn't the way that trauma affected him was like you know when we talk about world war ii and people being battle shocked and they literally mm -hmm. just deserve that's what he did he said he, he went home after a really really bad day I wasn't allowed in because at the time I had COVID the first time um <laughs> and he was on the phone to me and I'm trying to tell him how to he was new I was trying to tell him how to work the computer system I was trying to tell him how to turn off alerts and stuff like that that couldn't be you know all of the IT yeah. stuff and he he just reached his his capacity and he went home that night and he said he got into bed and he couldn't get out and he couldn't he couldn't communicate he just so he trigger stacked and then went into shutdown yeah. Which we know is a thing in dogs. We talk about it all the time. It's from the same part of the brain. It's all generated from the amygdala. Um, we haven't. We have that part. It's the reptilian brain. So from a reptile up, we all have that part of our brain. We all have the same defense mechanisms that come mm -hmm. into play when that part of our brain goes right enough. Um, and that's what happened. So then, on top of that, I had to I had to be the manager, um, and it was just one thing and another and another. And then so I, I told my I told my nutrition group like, look, I can't. I just can't mm. I can't do concert right now I you know I'm struggling to even keep on top of the page so certainly can't keep on top of all the pms and stuff so everyone's just gonna have to wait you're just gonna have to wait and be patient um and I am so pleased because they did and they were so kind and everyone's so nice and honestly my little facebook group like you said it's about five thousand people good grief there's there's hardly ever a crossed word there's you know no. it's a really unusual group and that community sprung up around the pandemic and everyone is just really nice to each other mm -hmm. and the there's just a little bit of a mm, that might that might get tasty that's a bit of a controversial subject that people are talking about someone will ping me a message and go just keep an eye on this and then we have a conversation we tie everyone's thoughts together we make it balanced just little chats and what I say to people is that the, the group is a library of conversations it's yes. why you you gotta search what you want to know because even if in the initial post that someone's posting we've answered the conversations that take place in there that's where the magic happens we've got vets and physios and you know there's there's people in human medicine um we've got a lady that's a fantastic neurologist we've got a lady that's um an emergency medicine consultant um you know there's there's lots of different people with loads of different specialisms and because it's a safe place where anyone can talk about anything people are more forthcoming with information and yeah. um, and that community for a lot of people was was a lifeline you know you can yeah. you can be online and it can be the most miserable place because mm -hmm. algorithms doesn't matter what social media platform you're on algorithms are set up to get you to engage in conflict um and that's mm -hmm. a fact 
the more clicks, the more comments come from conflict. Um, but if you look, you don't even have to look that hard. If you if you seek out the kind places, they are there and you can fit yourself into a community that's going to support you. Even though my group is Sport Dog Nutrition, it's there as a safe space for people. You know, there's people that, you know, someone asked something about a pig and we were able to answer that. And people ask stuff about horses, we can answer that. And, yeah. you know, not, you know, we try to keep it on topic, but if people get the feeling that that's, there's something on their mind that they can talk about, in my group then we'll talk about it and the thing I loved as well because obviously when Dodge had his um hip dysplasia diagnosis like, I'm not gonna lie I came home and cried a lot like in in my brain especially because when we got the initial diagnosis from our regular vet he was like he needs surgery immediately like I don't want you doing sports for him I don't want you doing anything with him like he has to be lead walked and I was like Great. So I've got a dog with really big emotions that doesn't walk on a lead brilliantly because he has big emotions. And now you're telling me I can only walk him for 10 minutes a day round the roads. And that's what I'm meant to do with him. This, this is not a thing. This is not going to happen. Luckily we have an amazing physio um, and Karen keeps him in full working order. She also does hydro as well with him. And Karen said to me, look, you know, I've seen worse x-rays. I've seen worse x-rays on grade seven agility dogs. So let's see what happens. Wait till you've seen the specialist. You know, my the UK Hoopers family were amazing because we were, I was literally like at a competition the weekend after and was like, oh my God, this happened. Everyone was so supportive there. You know, my canine Hoopers well family, all my instructors were super supportive. And I remember putting a post in your group, like, can anyone recommend supplements? Can they... And at no point did I feel like I was judged. Like people were like, oh my God, your, your dog's got hip dysplasia and you still want to do sports with him. Everyone was like, oh, cool. You've got a German Shepherd. Oh, he's pretty. Have you tried X, Y, Z? And I was like, oh, amazing. Because I'm very conscious with the Canine Hoopers well group that it is a safe, friendly place, you know, and I want people to be able to ask questions. And obviously we're very in a niche and it's Hoopers related, but I mean, sports dog nutrition is a pretty good niche as well. We've kind of got our little pockets of stuff that- Nice to have a niche, isn't it? Oh, but they coexist and they are so important because obviously for me, nutrition is important, but not just with sports dogs. I've now got three- well, they're all veterans now. Minx has just had her 10th birthday. So all of my girls are now in double figures. And I'm like, oh, okay. So Dodge is having all these joint supplements. Actually, the girls can join in this as well because it's just going to support their systems. Absolutely. Um, and as well, I mean, I obviously it is, it is sport dog nutrition and sport dogs are the things that, the things, talking about, I'm talking about people um, yeah. and my passion, um, but my own dogs, you know, that I've got five, um, got four Border Collies and Lurcher, but like, you know, Wallace is a you do, but like Wallace, he came to me for, well, hmm, a bit of a long story with him. So he came to me from Holland um, and I was going to do all of his basic training because he was going to a farm in deepest, darkest Otterburn um, and it was winter and that place is wild. It's, you know, it's like, it's like Norway in England. It is wild. Um, and <laughs> breeders were like, oh, you know, he's, he's been in the house and going straight to a kennel on a farm in the middle of winter, a bit mean. 
Yeah. Um, not exactly. Baby. They wanted the best for him. They wanted the best for him. And they said that he was a sensitive dog. Um, so the person that bought him contacted me and said, will you do his basics and kind of overwinter him? And then he can come here when, you know, when he's ready. So that's what I did. Um, and just, so he is like a shining example of a dog where positive reinforcement is everything. Mm-hmm. Like it, tell him he's, even, even down to tell him he's a good boy, he can be on the brink of meltdown and you go, but you're a good boy, Wallace. And he's like, oh, yes, I am. <laughs> so cute. Um, so I had him for basic training. He went off um, from me to then sheep dog training mm-hmm. with, um, for want of a better word, a harsh handler, a harsh sheep dog trainer. Right. Um, Did give he you an I'll give you an example of the sort of person he is. Um, he, uh, when his dogs that have served him in, in working sheep and going to sheep dog trials all of their lives, when it gets, when they're not useful anymore, he shoots them because he's not going to pay to feed a dog that isn't productive. Mm, so, okay. But, and so bear in mind, a working commodity, not yeah. the dog is a sentient being in his care. Okay. Yeah. So one of those, and bearing in mind, I know what food he feeds and it's 25p a day. So that dog isn't worth, after all of its service, that dog isn't worth 25p a day. What a knob. Um, <laughs> so not surprisingly, Wallace being a sensitive dog and being really into positive reinforcement, um, after three months, I don't know why it took three months, but after three months at this, with this trainer, um, <laughs> he was failed as a sheepdog um, for no not, shit. Yeah, not being able to take a correction. Anyway, wow, so. okay. This dog fails because I can't punish Beat. it. Wow, yeah. okay. Well, how about you set the dog up for success? Show it what you need it to fucking do and then reinforce the good stuff. It's, <clears throat> it's alien to them. Um, so, and, and it was a danger to livestock. Awesome, cool. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, bullshit to all of this. Yes, I'll have him back. Yes, I'll keep him forever. Yes, I'll rehab him. It's fine. He was happy here. We're happy to have him back. Um, I think he got so, back to your house and was like, oh, thank God for that. Where the fuck did you send me? Boy, he was so broken. When I went to pick him up, he didn't remember me. Um, he literally he was just in such a state of not knowing who he was, where he was, what he was expected to do, that he just was, you know, in, in a state of... But the thing is, if, you, if you're constantly punished and you are waiting for the next bit of punishment to arrive... That's not a good mental state. For, like, we're not allowed to do that with people now. You yeah. know, we know that psychologically that seriously fucks people up. So yeah. why is it still deemed okay when it comes to dogs? Like, isn't it? And he, the, the really upsetting bit about him is that his drive for sheep is high. He's got all of these instincts um, that he wants to do something with, but because of the way that he was trained... Um, the instincts come in but then it's matched by fear and it's literally like tearing his brain into you can see he's like I, I, ca- I cannot function and then because it's such a, a primal thing that's going on in his brain all he can think of is bite it, so he's so yeah gripping the sheep just bouncing in front of one side to side to side until he gets it still enough to be able to get hold of it with his teeth because he wasn't able to learn how to 
heard heard correctly basically he uses eye use his body his movement yeah. um so he with the pressure to perform he was like the quickest way to get the sheep to do what what i wanted to do is by biting it and you see this a lot in 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 collies and high drive dogs it's mm -hmm. the it's the quickest most efficient way that they can see of getting control of the mm -hmm. other animal um so then he was a danger to livestock. And I was like, yeah, no, nah, nah, I'm not, I'm not having this. He wasn't a danger to livestock when I had him, when I started him on sheep. So took him, um, got him started, um, and just instantly straight away I could see this this fear. Yeah. Mixed with the the instincts. And I was, and I just looked at him, I was like, you don't have to do this. It doesn't matter if you're a sofa ornament for the rest of your life, you do not have to do this. I was like, just stop, dude, come here. Um, and he was like, the relief, he was like, oh no. I don't have to really oh well that's great like massive sigh of relief and it was like flicking a switch with him but he's been here now for three years and his rehab is only just kind of getting to the point where we could probably start doing things with him because he was the other thing about it is we think that he was hit with a stick across his back we're not sure he's um totally awful coordination like would trip over his own feet at a standstill. Uh, wow really, okay yeah not not well put together at all flappy feet we think he'd been confined um he had a habit of to go to sleep he would back up to a wall rest his bum on the wall drop his head and nod off oh baby yeah so doing things with him in terms of sport so you know like i said sport dogs are my thing but actually with mine they're, they're all broken <laughs> I gather people's failed dogs. So it means that quite often there's not a lot I can do with them myself. I mean, I've got the pup, so she's working sheep. She's fine. She's, she's like a, she's like a bag of water. She's just really flexible and fluid. And, um, and then I've got Flynn. He's a failed sheep dog as well. He doesn't want to do anything apart from being physical contact with me hundred percent of the time. Um, he'll play with sheep, but it doesn't, he's, he's not serious. Yeah. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't actually want to work he just wants to have a nice time yeah. uh, <laughs> the, uh, let's go for a nice walk see some sheep yeah, on the no, way carry on his day like you know time. He's, to the point where last time I took him sheepdog training it was utterly embarrassing and um, we were doing some nice work and then just a little bit more pressure to ask him to just you know be a bit more free thinking do a bit more work give a bit more space and he just looked at me he was like oh no absolutely not and he buggered off up the field and went to play with a puppy in front of the sheepdog instructor and he's got all this fancy breeding as well and I'm stood there in the middle of the feet in the middle of the field with the sheep all around my feet and my dog has gone because he saw a puppy and playing with puppies is more fun than working sheep so that was embarrassing um, <laughs> and he's really suspicious as well that it, anything that isn't she was very suspicious so i've taken him to a few things that are kind of sport minded and he gets there and he looks around and he's like there's treats there's tuggies not interested you're going to make me do things that i don't want to do <laughs> so he's he's out um ren ren is um she's a little bit of an all-round all superstar so she's had a go at flyball um we did a little bit of agility basics. Um, she loves hoopers. Hoopers is her thing. Yeah. Um, it really plays into her sheepdog mind. She works sheep as well, but for her, she's like, oh, going round things and following instructions to know which way to go. Look, really just perfect for her sheepdog. Yeah, how happy you've just made my heart saying that. Oh, I always say to people, 
Seriously, like Hoopers is for all and any single dog, any single handler can have a go at Hoopers. But for the herders, Hoopers taps in. It really does. It's one of the reasons why Dodge loves it so much because Dodge has never been particularly, I mean, like he's done a basic training around livestock. I know he's all right around horses. He's like, he's seen alpacas, no reaction. The first time he ever saw sheep, I was in a private field and thank God it was fenced. But the other side of the fence was this whole flock of sheep. And he just, I'd never seen it before. He was running along and just stopped and went straight into stalk. And I was like, huh? Who turned the herding switch on? What is this behavior? And I had to, I had to put him on lead and move him away from the fence because it was that part of his brain when those things, I moved them. And I was like, no, mummy doesn't trust the way you're going to move them, mate. So we're not going <laughs> to. So I didn't know whether it would turn into actually, let's just grab one and see what happens. You know, I, I don't know what part of the seat Even, even my, you know, minor border collies and, and, and that's what they do. Until you train them, mainly they want them in their mouth. Just a little bit. And the thing <laughs> is, because we think he's come from a security type breeding, Biting is very reinforcing for him. So yeah. adding a fluffy thing that you could possibly chomp on, I don't feel was the best plan <laughs> for him. But it does, doesn't it? Hooper's kind of taps into this working ethic that the herding dogs have to work with you as a team, but with a little bit of independence. Like the amount of times Lisa says to me, he's on the line, shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just yeah. shut up and let him work until you need the next direction just and this is something quiet. we do in sheep work a lot so there's there's you know there's a, a school there's lots of different schools of thoughts as with any dog training but you know one of them that's quite pervasive is that let the dog work and only speak when you need to mm-hmm. if they're already doing what you're asking if you expect that they're going to do what you're thinking about which is you know once they get good at something you think it they do it it's mm. Is that um and i find that of all of the things that exist to help um a herding dog feel like it has purpose and a function mm-hmm. i would say that hoopers buys into that more than other things mm-hmm. i've heard about um things where you gather lots of balls and they bring them in um and that's supposed to satisfy the herding instinct i don't really- eat balls do not Google sheep balls, guys. I'm just because <laughs> the first time I tried, to, I sent a client to go and look up sheep balls and then regretted what I just told them to look <laughs> Dog um, training sheep balls, not just sheep balls, because I cannot be held accountable for your Google history if that happens. Like, <laughs> so there's that which is, I feel like it's a, it's a bit more retrievy ish mm-hmm. than anything else possibly um and then there's this tribal where you use the big balls and they push them around and um, my my very 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 sheep worky dog if you if you chuck a, a big ball in the garden she'll push it around on the end of the nose till the cows come home but i can tell that it is not engaging her in any way the same as sheep does yeah but hoopers completely different thing because what you're what you're asking them for is to look and you know herding dogs love nothing more than than scanning for something identifying it and then going for it mm-hmm. and having those commands to use it so for her it's the only thing i've found that 
that engages her brain in the same way. Yeah. It's the partnership between me and her. I'm not in a space. She's got a very, I call it a bubble. So her her area of personal space um, is very large yeah. and her tolerance for me interfering with her thought process is very low. Um, she's a very independent dog. She would quite happily bugger off up a hill, go and find some sheep and bring them to me. And I wouldn't say a word and that would make her happy. Um, so Hooper's <laughs> is spot on for her. Yeah. It really does engage all the bits of a brain that she needs engaging. So that's why we play it. Although, having said that, um, when, I, when I took a bit of time off, um, my workshift's changed and I couldn't go to my Hooper's class anymore. So I've missed mm -hmm. quite a bit. So that's rubbish. Back. You need to get back to it. Well, what is very exciting, and I can yeah. tell you now, and this is a little plug, but it's my podcast. So I'm allowed to plug my stuff. I like a plug. So... Canine Hooper's World now has achievement awards that you can do online with your dogs. Oh. All oh, you need for home. level one is four hoops and two barrels. That's it. And oh, you get your good. first achievement award. So they're going to be released every two months. So I think when this episode comes out, level two may also be available. Level one came out January so level two will be out in march so depending on when i drop this episode level two might be out already and they're going to be every other month and there's going to be 12 levels in total Ooh. and they're designed that you don't need too much equipment but if you just like if you can hire an arena or a private field for an hour you can set the things up and get it all videoed and recorded within that space of time and then send the videos in for assessment so that's very good. The new game, which is very exciting. Oh, it's a mid-conversation mid advertisement. Perfect, like perfect, perfect timing for an advert. We should probably talk about canine nutrition, shouldn't we? <laughs> Good. I mean, you know, it's what we were going to chat about. But I love hearing about your lovely dogs and your lovely collies. And that is oh, thanks. Um, what got you into nutrition? Because obviously, I always joke, right? I'm the worst vegetarian in the world because I'm rubbish at eating vegetables. And if you say to me, would you like a salad? I'm like, mm. <laughs> which <laughs> admit it, okay. Um, I choose not to eat meat because I don't like the abattoir process, but we won't get into yeah. that. But I raw feed my dogs. <laughs> When it comes to canine nutrition, I'm like, and I need to make sure they're on the best thing for them and the supplements and everything else. When it comes to me, I'm like, oh, well, I'll just grab something out of the freezer and stick it in the microwave. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly it. In the microwave, as we call it in our house, because it sounds fancier. <laughs> I am, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll prep the dog's meals of night and whether I've cooked something or whether it's raw, because I do both. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's it's a process there's five of them they all have different sprinkles and potions and lotions and, and doing all this and then i do all that and i'm like pizza <laughs> yeah right seriously <laughs> i'm so glad that you are also equally as as Just bad as i am when it comes to pizza. i am I, I, honestly sometimes i you know people talk about imposter syndrome all the time don't they and i'm like i'm sat here preaching about all the healthy food stuff i am obese i'm probably pre-diabetic i do not exercise as much as i should um i've got a personal trainer i haven't seen him for two months <laughs> 
and it is well then like last week i was like oh no i'm gone because i've got covid but secretly i was like yes i am the, I'm the worst i'm the worst at my own health absolutely terrible but my but dogs are your dogs and everyone else's dogs yeah, but not me right okay so there we go confessions of a canine nutritionist yes i've got really bad health um so yes yeah, the dog no nutrition then because that's the whole thing <laughs> Yeah. So getting into it, it was as I think actually people will relate to this because so many people who are now very much in with the dog world started off with their heart dog that led them down the path that they went. Mm -hmm. um, and that was very much the case with me. My heart dog, she was called Kerry the Woo. She um, she was a Border Collie. She was a failed sheepdog. And she was a part of my life when I was I was in the Royal Air Force. I was a medic in the RAF. Um, and she was in the unusual position that she lived with me um, while I was in the RAF, which doesn't happen very often. The unit that I was on um, allowed, if you're an officer, you're allowed a dog, but if you're a, a standard non-commissioned- non um, If you're not fancy. <laughs> if you're not fancy, you're not allowed a dog. Um, but the unit that I lived on, the station commander was like, no, anyone can have a dog. It's fine. We live in, you know, we were in the middle of the North Yorkshire Moors. Um, it was, you know, she was, she was fine with it. So that's when I got Kerry the Woo. Um, and she just was the ultimate best friend. She was wonderful and marvellous and quirky and interesting. And, you know, you didn't have to do cues or commands because she quite like a conversation. Thank you. Mm. Um, you know, she was, she was just the absolute wonderful best and then they get to you know 12 and you think fuck how mm. whoa i need to start doing stuff um but for me it was it was way before that it was like the minute i knew she was my best friend i was like i have to do everything to make you live forever yes and just like the, the feeling in my heart of you are the most precious thing on this planet to me and it doesn't matter what it is I will do it for you if if it's for your comfort for your longevity for your health for for anything just literally anything like everything so that was when I mean to be fair I always I always cooked I always cooked things for her just because she was a proper foodie um and i you know kibble was there but it was like okay you know i've not got time today so she can she can have kibble but mostly it was cooking things for her and initially when i was cooking like it was just it wasn't probably great not particularly well balanced or anything like that but you know lots of hearts lots of liver lots of veg oats barley stuff like that mm -hmm. um and then raw feeding took a bit more of a um, had a bit more of a boom and I was like oh what's what's this about then so started doing it I was like oh it's not that much different to what I've already been doing except you don't have to cook it which you know bonus Quite. um yeah um so I started with that literally just started as your bog standard raw feeder um and got really involved with my raw feed suppliers group okay can I mention them yeah do it so they're called the wandering dog and um, so i got involved with the wandering dogs facebook group um and you know there was loads of things that actually you know when people ask questions and stuff that from my nursery background i was like oh i totally know how to manage that with diet it's just the same as people and so i'd answer questions and then i was like hmm, this is actually quite interesting and it looks like i can do it um one of the things that i did at university when i did my nursing degree was um because i was at a research funded university we had to do a research module at uni um and we had to pass it or we couldn't 
pass our nursing course. And at the time I was like, am I ever going to fucking research anything? This is an absolute waste of my time. <laughs> Little did you know. Little did I know. Um, but I'm a bit of an overachiever sometimes. So I was like, it's, never mind, I'll do it. I'll put my effort in, but I feel like this is pointless. And then it turned out to be very, very beneficial because what I am... Um, um, really hot on is being an evidence-based practitioner so someone can ask me an out of the blue question um, and I am still googling things just like everyone else in the world googles things <laughs> because it's a search engine and I'm looking for things but the difference is is because when you've been trained in how to research you can sort the wheat from the chaff you can have a look at um you know the, the literature and see how sound it is see yeah. how it would apply and um, the other thing is is you know lots of people are, are on the evidence-based path now um but kind of they want they expect too much from it so i'll say something like well um you can give this supplement or do this feeding regime duh, 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 and this will help in this way and they'll go have you got a study for that and i'm like have you got a study to say that the sky is blue? Look, it's a fact. Some things are facts and there isn't evidence for it because it's been around so long that it's kosher. It's, you know, yeah, it is yeah, yeah. and we haven't got a study to prove it. And then other things do need clinical evidence to back it up. Mm -hmm. The difference is, is that lots of people want dog specific clinical evidence and it's just not there. Yeah. Because outside of... Um, companies funding especially in relation to nutrition you know you're not going to get joe blogs who's a raw feeder um and you know wants evidence is going to set up a randomized control study out of their kitchen it costs too much the people that can afford to do this sort of um investigating and studies aren't um raw feeders they're big pet food manufacturers usually yeah. but despite that they, even though I might not like their food, they do some bloody good studies. They do some, they do some terrible studies that are just pulling the wool over people's eyes. But you know, the funding is there, and you can you can use their research, but just apply it to doing your own food and doing consulting. Yeah. That's what I do. Um, I do a lot of evidence based stuff. A lot of the things that I use, there may not be a dog study for, but there'll be enough evidence that it can apply to dogs. So it might be that there's been a mouse and human study, mouse mm -hmm. monkey human study, or rabbits as well. All the animals that are used, unfortunately. But for... there will be some dogs falling into that category because we know they do still test on generally beagles. beagles. But... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of beagle studies out there as well. So you know, we get the evidence where we can. If it's dog specific, then that's great. If it's not, it doesn't mean it's worthless. It means that you just have to pick it apart more. What are the systems yeah. that are being looked at? The biochemistry, the, the you know, whatever the function is, is it the same in that animal as it is in dogs? If so, then you can apply it. And um, even if it's humans, you know, our, our digestion isn't loads different. Um, dog's digestion is a little bit yeah, short. It's not like we're cows and we've got four stomachs. Like, we kind yeah. of can survive on the same food. And notice I say survive there. Survive, not thrive, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, even, even then, dogs have evolved alongside us to basically eat what we eat, but add a raw bone, um, which yeah. is the most basic, basic way of describing canine nutrition ever. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it would probably get picked apart. I mean, they need basically, they, they're vitamins and minerals 
they need pretty much the same as we do the exception is calcium they need four times as much um, and that's okay. kind of describing it as very very basic as possible um and it's really well evidenced when you come away from western society when you look at um indigenous populations who have dogs as part of their um living arrangements either mm. to help with sourcing their own food um or companions or protection whatever it might be um and when you look at those animals they are literally just eating what the people eat plus the bones mm. um and they're fit and they're healthy and they don't look like they're you know having a bad time well um, the thing always was when it fits a butcher's dog because the butcher's dog would get the scraps of meat and the bones and then yeah. maybe some veg if there was some spare like um, my, I remember asking my grandma what she fed her dogs because they were farmers and, and obviously farm working dogs and she basically had um, a stock pot that was on the go all the time um, with you know bits of things boiling away in it and, and then it would just get added to it was never off it would just get added to every day that you know lung was fed a lot because humans don't eat lungs I mean they probably do somewhere but we don't and haven't done for a long time so lungs big big part of the dog's diet lots of odds and ends lots of veg and then you know they chuck a scoop of oats or barley or whatever in there and that's that's what the dogs would eat not balanced at all um but you know the dogs didn't appear to get nutritional deficiencies or anything wrong with them they didn't appear yeah. to have immune health um so yeah starting off with nutrition quite like stasical quite like oh well it'll be all right it was in the past but then as i've done it more i'm like mm, you know you've got there are certain clinical conditions where you've got to meet nutritional markers yes yeah. um you know they're separate in science for a reason and it would be um foolish of me to go no it's fine it's fine historically like it might have been fine historically but you know we have these therapeutic markers to work towards we should work towards them and that's for things like um if you've got a dog with kidney disease they need more omega-3s they need to balance the calcium and phosphorus more correctly and all the rest of it so for that technology comes in you know we can use spreadsheets um databases and things like that to yeah. to formulate and that's what it is it's formulating so i do do a bit of formulating mostly when i'm when i'm consulting or helping dogs out i think it's really important to let people choose what they want to feed what they're comfortable with yeah. um one of the things that you might have noticed in the group is despite the fact that i raw feed um and, and cook for my dogs I, I will not push that on anyone there's yeah. too many places on the internet where someone will go feed my dog royal canin and they're raw the internet just just jumps on them and makes them feel like the worst person in the world and that's not fucking fair so just if you are listening and you are re and you are feeding royal canin possibly there may be a better food to feed your dog <laughs> Yes. Or, or, I mean, it doesn't, that was just an example. I mean, it could be... Oh, no, it, but if you're feeding bakers, there's definitely a better food. <laughs> exactly. And the other thing about being an evidence-based practitioner is, and certainly being in the, in the world of working dogs, is I cannot, I, I cannot deny that every, nearly, nearly every working dog, properly working dog that I've ever met, is fed on CSJ, lives till it's nearly 18 and never has anything wrong with it. I can't can't refute that um and i think it's again i think that's i think that's foolish too um i don't like anything that's separatist so raw feeders versus kibble feeders and then and then the people who feed wet food and cooked food are just in the middle like everyone's arguing mom dad um <laughs> one of mine won't bloody eat raw and has to have a cooked food because yeah. 
But I'm not going to lie, I would, I, I've kind of gone, mm, maybe I could put them all on the coop food. And then I did my sums and went, oh, I cannot oh, afford to put all of them on really the coop food. <laughs> yeah. Like really. the twer on coop food is very different from the shepherd on coop food. Like <laughs> the shepherd is not having the cook food. No, no, definitely not. Um, that bit of kibblem yeah, like it. Yeah, I mean, the, the cook diets that you can get are fantastic. Um, and most of the ones that are available in the UK, I know the people that have formulated them, so I know they're really sound recipes. But I also know that um, for me to feed that to to my five dogs a day would be something like, I think it was 30 quid a day or something. It yeah, was a lot. It's mental. It lot. Like, that's like going to a nice restaurant every day. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's just crazy. And I'm already spending a fortune on Just Eat with all the takeaways, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so yeah, so you, you will have noticed that um, if you've if you've been on the group or well, generally, my ethos is just very not judgy, not judgy at all. Yeah. Don't care, don't don't mind if you want to feed kibble. And the thing is, it was always the argument was you shouldn't feed raw and kibble together because they digest at different rates, yeah. which I get. But here we go, little confession: regular listeners will know this. My guys get kibble in the morning and raw at night because especially if I'm at a 10-day competition, taking 10 days worth of raw food, camping, is not the easiest thing to do. And it's bollocks. It's bollocks that you can't mix raw and kibble. Everyone's like, it digests at different rates. Okay, so I was a, a very well-versed burger eater. The bun that I ate digests at a different rate to the meat that I ate in a burger. Um, everything digests at different fucking rates. I'm not, I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, what? What? Why, why, why is this a thought process and, and, and a, a methodology all of a sudden? It makes no sense at all. Um, bone takes a lot, a lot longer to digest and it needs a higher rate of acidity. Um, and the other thing that people say is kibble make you, makes your dog more alkaline. Like, no, the, the stomach acid adjusts depending on what it needs to do. It's not, mm-hmm. not like an engine. It's not topped up with one pH of something and then, mm-hmm. and then can't, can't vary. It's, it's, fucking, it's, a, it's a stomach and it adjusts depending on what's in there. You know, so, yeah, there's more science. Carbs. I know. If there's more carbs, it'll be more alkaline. If there's more protein, it'll be more acidic. Um, and if there's bone in there, that bone will sit in there until it is digested. The difficulty you get if you're feeding something bone heavy alongside a kibble is sometimes, because the kibble goes quite mushy, um, and when gastric emptying occurs, it can sometimes drag bone fragments with it. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, you know, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to feed a dog a belly full of kibble and then give them something that would cause that to happen. You know, you're talking about like a whole lamb spine or something. So little little story, many moons ago, Munch got given a beef knuckle. Mm. It's only happened once. Three hours later, neither of us could get near her. Neither of us could remove said knuckle from her. And Munch had completed the whole knuckle in one sitting. Ooh. Yeah, I don't think she pooed for about two days. <laughs> No, she would have just been digesting. Was she? Was she like? Was she like a big bloated sloth just lying and digesting? Yeah, basically, we like, were like, okay, it's so a mental note. Like, literally, this is the dog that you can give. Like, if she picks something up, she'll do swaps. You can give her something. Go, oh, actually, sweet. You know, you've had that long enough now. Can we do a swap for it? Yep, that's cool. I never just take shit off my dogs. I'm not an asshole. Mm-hmm. And that day, I remember I was like. Bubbies, can I have the bone back? And she was like, no. And I was like, <laughs> so then, then Dee got home and she's technically his dog. So I was like, darling heart, she wants to go 
fun just coming back in and going, yeah, I ain't getting that by no, <laughs> Potentially manhandled her and caused an argument or risk getting bitten. But to be honest, I screwed up. I gave her the bone. A mental note, do you know what? She doesn't get those bones anymore. If we do bones now, they are size appropriate and all the dogs are separate, so there's no competition. Job done. Control and management. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, but I noticed that some of the... So recently, I ran out of the brand I normally feed, um, sent Hubby to go and sent to just grab some raw. And... There must have been more bone in the whatever he'd got from the garden centre because people yeah. are like, oh, Rory's war. But like the poos were definitely bony poos. Yeah. And actually, it's been a bit of a, a problem in general across a lot of brands um, is the bone. The bone seems to be creeping up. And I've noticed that even in my own dogs with a brand that I've used for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. It's hard to move away from now. And it's a shame because the farming practice is a really good um you know zero travel miles on the animals all the rest of it oh, really, you know, it's amazing yeah grown and raised on their farm um the ones that do have to go to an abattoir because they can't be killed on site the abattoir's two miles away which is massively different to being transported yeah. to the other end of the country yeah. or whatever yeah, so yeah a, you know tiny little independent kind if you are comfortable with saying that no, but it is. The reason I, the reason I don't eat the meat isn't yeah. because I don't miss a fucking burger or a good rack of ribs. It's just because <laughs> I don't like the abattoir process. So, yeah. yeah. So, so for all of those reasons, you know, mass abattoirs are, are awful. The smaller, more independent abattoirs, less awful. Um, so I was all for it. But yeah, the bone, the bone has crept up. The, the, it's happening with a lot of brands. Um, so I switched to a different one that's, that's a bit more... Well, well is there a way of like if I'm feeding that brand like if I add a bit more veg will that kind of counterbalance it or yeah so if I mean it's it's not going to um you can all so it doesn't it doesn't matter what what you're feeding you can always use your store cupboard staples as balances so mm-hmm. say yesterday I forgot to defrost stuff but what I did have defrosted was I had a kilogram of liver and five pig hearts now you will know as a raw feeder that if you feed your dog just liver and pig hearts they will shit um black liquid lava for an entire day it, it just it just won't work um and not a thing no <laughs> and uh if you uh, also a raw feeder you'll know that usually um heart you can make it up to about 20 percent of the muscle meat percentage um, and liver should be between five and ten percent um, and, and more than that can cause problems but that is all I had but I know that the reason why these things cause the shit <laughs> <laughs> literal is, yeah, yeah is because they're extremely rich and there's no fiber in them so when you offset that with bone um bone isn't the same as fiber but it it has kind of absorbent properties mm-hmm. it, it's gritty and it's kind of you know it it just binds it's binding so yes binders is what we're talking about so and I also didn't have any bones defrosted so all I had was all this awful so I chucked it in my slow cooker and then I was like right I need to balance this out with loads of fiber then they don't shit Mm -hmm. Um, so so that's what you can do if if you've got a dog that's either had too much if you think that their food either has too much offal 
or too much bone, you balance it out with soluble and insoluble fiber. Um, I tend, I went more down the uh, insoluble fiber approach. So lots of greens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oh, sweet potato as well. Sweet potato is a good one for, for yeah. binding with guts. If you've got people in the US, pumpkins, probably easier to find yeah and um, you know you can chuck tin pumpkin in it anything that fiber fiber can fix a lot of things and mm-hmm. um, one of the things that i do for vet chef is i formulate cooked diets um, that are very very nutrient dense for working dogs so the volume is low but the nutrition is high um, and to do that it needs a lot of fat and i mean you know most people would look at that and go oh you're feeding a dog 35 mils of olive oil how what are they going to shit themselves um <laughs> they're not going to shit themselves because and also a lot of heart as well because heart's very dense um you just balance it out with the fiber so for me i you know i tend to use um i know lots of people don't like grains but i'm a big fan of oats so i use oats i use pearl barley so ancient grains not as bad oats pearl barley things like that all of these help Thermal. Dodge has oats when we're in like mid competition season. Like when we're away competing for a weekend, he has oats added to his food. Yeah. Makes a massive difference. It does. It really does. And I got that from your group. Oh, yay. Oats and olive oil for everything. I'm sure people get really, but because this is the thing I have, like when you've been doing stuff for a while and you've literally tried and tested everything, because, you know, I I haven't got any fosters in now, but I do, I do. I suppose it's rehabilitation really but i take in failed she- i have done for years and years and years i take in failed sheep dogs that haven't made the grade for whatever reason mm-hmm. and how to live in a house and live with other dogs and and you know not lose their shit every time like a human gives them attention because it's just so nice and mm-hmm. um, so yeah do the rehabbing thing so there's been lots of dogs through the doors and there's been you know every problem under the sun that they come with it's been ignored for however many months and then i they come here and i fix it um and so quite a lot of the things that I do seem so basic and quite often really low cost because lots of dogs keep things low cost yeah. and keep things easy. So I'm sure people do get bored of me with the oats and olive oil for doesn't matter what the problem is. That's the way you're going to fix it. Um, it. It's not. It's just oats and olive oil are a really good way to put weight on a dog that's failing. Mm-hmm. Um they're also a good way of reducing protein, but not calories in a higher protein diet for dogs that are quite protein sensitive. I'm thinking mainly here, um, collies and cocker spaniels, more cocker spaniels than anything else. And they can be extremely protein sensitive and just knocking the meat back and having some carbs in there, but then increasing the calories because these dogs tend to be thin with a bit of oil. Mm-hmm. Just a trick. Um, so yeah, it's the, the oats are a, I'm sure people are just like, Holly's going to say oats. Someone's asked a question, Holly's going to say oats. I'm like, yeah, I am, because it works and because it's cheap. Okay, so basically, like, if if I'm thinking, oh, there's a bit bone in there, like, add a bit of oats, little glug of olive oil, bit of greens, job done. Job done. Um, Or you can just, um, you can get, you know, offal at the butchers is usually really quite cheap if you buy it at the end of the day. You could get, um, you know, a whole ox liver for a couple of quid, chop it into chunks, keep it in the freezer. And if something's looking a bit heavy of bone, you can just add a bit of liver in there. Okay, that's a good tip for people because, yeah, yeah, a bit of liver. Right, so here we go. Let's ask a question. Yeah. When you buy meat from the supermarket or the butchers, do you have to freeze it before you feed it to your dog? 
Yes. You do. I always have, just because to me it makes sense that freezing it is going to kill the bacteria, so there's less risk of you giving your dog something dodgy because you're not cooking the meat. Yeah, so this is the thing. So human meat is designed to be fed, cooked, so it doesn't have the same level of checking for pathogens as raw dog food does, you know, checking for salmonella and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that. Um, Mainly the freezing thing is less about bacteria and more about parasites because bacteria survive being frozen. Okay. Whereas parasites have a, have a life cycle that usually are around about two weeks. Um, so by breaking that cycle, you're reducing the risk of parasites. But the thing about that is if it's British meat, um, it's not, it's not going to be very high risk in terms of parasites and stuff like that um because the abattoir process is really strict yep you're not getting sick animals through an abattoir it's too much of an infection risk to other animals yeah um and you have to sign a lot of paperwork to say that the animal's fit and healthy and then it all gets checked anyway the main thing is pork because of pork tapeworm but we don't have that in that in our country either it's more of a risk in in europe um okay outside of the uk so it's one it's of those, fun. isn't it, that, like, again, you see it in the raw groups, like, oh, I saw some offal at the supermarket. And, like, if someone says they've just fed the dog the offal without freezing it, like, the internet breaks. Yeah, it does. It's silly, isn't it? You've got to remember as well, it's, it's only... So I have, have a couple of... I have a couple of what people think are weird rules. Um, it's, it's personal to me. You don't have to follow my rules. But I don't feed chicken and I don't feed salmon. Um, and the reason for this is there are two things that are, um, can be, should I say, and nothing's, um, okay. Might. After watching Sea Spiracy, like I'm not even like the whole salmon, fu- no, exactly that. Right. So the reason why I don't feed chicken or salmon, it has many, has many levels. So from a nutritional perspective, um, they're very high in omega six and they're very low in omega three. And as soon as those two things are out of balance, if omega-6 is more than omega-3, then what you are doing is creating inflammation. So your dog's inflammatory markers will, will, will gradually go up. So it's no good for if you have any inflammatory condition, IBS. When you, I've got three older dogs and one with HD and arthritis already, probably don't want to do that. Yeah. So that's what you're doing by cutting out chicken and salmon initially. Um, <laughs> the, you're helping to rearrange the omega-3s so that they're more therapeutic um the reason why it's like that is because um farm chicken and farm salmon both live um incredibly unhealthy lives they're not here for a long time they're here to reach meat weight in as quick a time as possible before Mm -hmm. they're slaughtered for chickens it's a matter of weeks um salmon similar um both of them are farmed in pretty much the same way in terms of what they're fed. They're fed a high corn, high maize diet, and this is what makes the meat so high in omega-6. For salmon, it's even worse because chickens, they can eat corn, of course they can. Salmon can eat corn, but they're not supposed to. So they're in a state of massive inflammation as well, which means that their histamine levels are really high. Um, So histamine is a hormone. Yep. um, And once it's... You know, if it's adding to an already unwell dog in whatever state of unbalance that it's in that's causing a disease effect, then adding histamine into that mix is going to be highly unhelpful. Salmon oils reported to be beneficial for joint health, skin health, all the rest of it. Bullshit. Really high in omega-6. 
and they're nearly always oxidized by the time they get to you anyway. A fish oil should not smell fishy and salmon oil nearly always stinks. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Quite nasty. Um, you know, uh, uh, even mild things, like you see dogs with um, with reflux, like they've got reflux. I'm like, is there any salmon anywhere in their diet? Salmon oil, anything like that. And as soon as you take it out, all of a sudden better because it's rancid fat. It's really hard to digest um, and can cause reflux and stuff like that. Um, the same for um, cyclic digestive upset. So you have dogs that fine most of the time and then maybe two days out of a month every month they'll shit through the eye of a needle feel mm. a bit sorry for themselves have mucus poos and then swing themselves back around to come right again you know you'll give them that's usually say chicken and rice which I flipping hate but i might you know you'll give <laughs> them we'll get to that in a minute we'll get to that in a minute yeah. <laughs> or, or, or whatever and then they come back right you put them back on the normal food they find again the same thing happens usually i find that that is a, a low level intolerance and more often than not that occurs with a dog that's fed a predominantly chicken diet so ah. putting that out helps with that um there's the ethical side of things the way that they're farmed awful mm-hmm. um and yeah so that's why that's why no chicken no salmon Mo- the, the most allergenic meats the most the ones that are worse for a dog health dog's health basically and they're also the ones that have a, a greater risk of carrying a pathogenic burden i mean i know e coli can be a little bit hit and missy with beef um but nothing like what it is with chicken so that's the other thing you know if you're going to feed raw that's absolutely cool i do it too but when you walk into a vet with an unwell dog you need to be able to cover your ass, and if you're feeding raw chicken and salmon, it's not as easy to cover your ass because these things in humans shouldn't be eaten raw. Whereas if you walk into a vet's with an unwell dog, for whatever reason, um, and you say that you raw feed, and they're about to tell you off, and you go, "But not chicken or not salmon," because after all, outside of those meats, we eat them raw. We eat duck pink. We eat pork pink. We eat lamb. Oh, I joke that Dale's steak could be revived by a trained vet when he yeah, has just it. take its horns off and wipe its ass. Like, uh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you've got, you know, you've got that there as well. Um, so that's the reason why I say to to avoid that, those. That does make sense because I've I've heard obviously that you know straight away someone the other day. Facebook post, oh, dogs, chicken and rice, chicken. I'm like, no, 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 not, not chicken. Don't feed the dog chicken. My go-to, if the dogs aren't well, is um, turkey and either sweet potato or pumpkin. Yeah, exactly. And I have tins of pumpkin in the cupboards. Yeah. Just in case one of the dogs isn't well. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the um, one of the people that I'm working with, we're going to try and, and set up something similar so that you can go to pets at home and pick up a box with everything that you need in it for instead of chicken and rice. So it'll have everything in it, the herbs and, 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 and sprinkles and things that I do um, so that you can go to pets at home if you've got an unwell dog and pick up this rescue pack and it's got turkey and sweet potato in it. That's what we're trying to work on at the minute. Yay, so. that's exciting. So I'm on the right track with my turkey and sweet potato. You, you are on the right track. Um, yeah. I mean, you can, the other thing is about the chicken and rice. I mean, if it's helped your dog and when your dog's been poorly, then then that's cool because it, it can help quite a lot of dogs. It's just not, there's better ways of doing it. We all know, you know, we only know what we know until we know better. And obviously chicken and rice has been a thing forever. Well, now it's time that we can do better. We can do better with turkey. But also, we know that if you're on a diet, 
you're told not to eat white rice. Yeah. Because it bloats you out and it makes you tubby. Yeah. It's um, it's a funny one because m- the way that most people feed it to dogs is it looks it looks like white rice. It's kind of, you know, it's it's fluffy. You can see the individual grains. Yeah. Um, and quite often you'll hear new canine nutrition people say it just ferments in the gut. Just ferments. Just ferments. Right. It, it does. It does. Well, everything has some level of fermentation in the gut because it's been influenced by heat and moisture and bacteria. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit of an odd thing to say. And it, and then other people say it has no nutritional value. Of course it does. It's a fucking food. Yeah. It It's not it's oh, devoid of nutrients. Three meals yeah. a day, I would soon be quite large, I'm assuming. Yeah. I'll be yeah. sending eggs and rice. <laughs> exactly oh, oh when you say that you cook for your dog and i don't know why you're cooking for your dog as soon as you cook it it loses all nutritional value i'm like well how am i alive then you're my food i'm so glad you said that because that is one of those ones that you hear you're like but how does like i understand with vegetables yes if you put broccoli in a pan and boil the shit out of it for 30 minutes yeah it's probably taken quite a lot of the nutrition out of the broccoli yeah. but it's in the water you just drink the water. The, the, the vitamins have just moved. Broccoli <laughs> mm, <laughs> water sounds so tempting. Oh, lovely. I told it? you I'm the worst vegetarian ever. When it comes to the meat, because, you know, like I've, I've had this discussion with my vet and I'm glad that you've given me that little, okay. And actually it's food for thought, you know, because when they're ill, I don't give them chicken. And if I give them fish, I tend to have in the freezer some little like pollock right. poly yeah. that I like cook up in the microwave. And yeah. they have that with a bit of potato, like a bit of sweet potato or pumpkin. That's my other go-to. Um, I think the thing is, is we're, we're really lucky in the UK that our meat is quite, if it's from, if it's, if this is its country of origin, if it's, yes. you know, been, if been. It's got the little red tractor on it. If you've got the red tractor. British flag. Yeah, be careful though, because um, I know, especially around me, maybe it's because I'm in the Northeast and, and there's quite a lot of poverty, but there's these places that, um, like freezer places that that crop up that have a lot of like um, cheap meat. So you can get like five kilograms of beef mince, says Aberdeen Angus on it, and it's like three quid or whatever it is, really, really, really cheap. And everyone's like, oh, but it's British, says Aberdeen Angus on it. It's got, next to Aberdeen Angus, it's got a British stamp because Aberdeen. Um, but then, then when you look at it, it's the origin is Argentina. Um, yeah. And that's why it's so cheap. And So know, was it the part of the cow that went into it was called Aberdeen and the other one was called Angus rather than... It's the breed, isn't it? It's, it's a breed of cow, isn't it? But the, And that's how they're getting away with it, just because it's got Aberdeen in the title. But... Yeah. You know, Argentina is not a good place to be getting your beef from. No, the the cattle farming in Argentina, uh, the practice is is different to what we have in the UK, and we'll leave it at that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's Um, different. It's different, and and that and those differences of how meat is produced in other countries is why you have this prevailing myth of you must freeze meat before you feed. That makes sense. Um, The the only you know fish um to be fair they they live in sub-zero conditions so unless you're uber deep freezing them their parasites are 
are going to be a little bit more freeze resistant in terms of like your deep sea fish or things like sardines and stuff like that to be fair the the boats go out that far when the fish is caught it's put on ice so it's frozen anyway and then they have to come all the way back so the process has already been started anyway so i wouldn't get too worried the main thing with fish is anything from the salmon family so salmonids um or is it salmonoids no that's dog no that's samoyed oh i don't know you just experienced a little a little bit of my adhd brain i've been controlling it really well but there it was it's that was amazing we went from a fish to a fluffy white thing really quickly that's, yeah sorry that that's that's ADHD. i apologize i'm loving that that was brilliant <laughs> and i'm not editing that out ever <laughs> It's because um, I'm also quite dyslexic as well, so some things I just can't pronounce and I totally wing it. Uh, spelling, I don't do spelling, so don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> um, so that's why freezing, that's why freezing. That you, your, main, your main risk, your main risk from things that need to be frozen are, are salmon-y things. And yeah. to be honest, mostly it's if you know a fisherman who likes catching things like rainbow trout or, or anything salmon-y and it's come straight from the river, to you in a bit then, of paper then then you need to deep freeze it for a little bit or cook it yeah bones out and cook it yeah. yeah so with the other thing i remember reading in the book and it always reading in the group sorry and it always stuck with me was your whole little like feed the rainbow feed the rainbow like but that again I'm pretty sure you stole that from some human research, didn't you? Because Probably. Almost undoubtedly. And I'm no not talking about Skittles, guys. Off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean Skittles. I mean, actually, having fruit and veg that is different colours, because the different colours have slightly different vitamins and stuff in it, so they're better yeah. for you. You know, when, when we're doing, like, a slow cooker... I'll try and make sure I get at least three different coloured vegetables in it. Um, you, we always tend to go for things that are orange. Like there's always like sweet potato and carrots. And I'm like, oh, there's, there's a, a lot of orange in there. That's the, well, that's, that's, that's your brain telling you that, that, you know, the things that are appealing, like things that are orange, the things that appeal to your brain, it's just how we're wired. Like if it's orange, it's going to be really high in antioxidants. Yeah, It's going to make us, you know, it's going to be, dense in nutrition the same for red foods um and obviously you know purple foods although purple cabbage like it's there it's in the fridge but nothing's making me really want to eat it mm, yeah no we've just signed up for this odd box thing where we're going to have just random vegetables turning up every week so i'll let you know how that gets on i did kind of go well you know if we don't like it the dogs can always have it <laughs> this is this is my life um i all all through the pandemic i was like i'm going to be good i'm going to get gusto boxes or hello fresh or whatever the fuck it was Sign, signed up for one subscription and then when that wasn't cheap anymore swapped to a different one you know how you do yeah um, so much of that went into the dogs so much of it i'm like what the bloody hell is a kohlrabi i don't know dogs can eat it um just you know anything that wasn't a one pound wonder where everything is pre-chopped and gets chucked in i just didn't couldn't be bothered yeah so the dog's got a lot of hello fresh and gusto stuff and also if i'd if i'd forget in in like oh, oh they sent so much chicken and i'm like i don't eat chicken the dogs don't eat chicken what the fuck am i going to do with all this chicken it was everywhere uh, mm. because it's the cheap meat to send this is the thing because of the farming we learn yeah. um so one of the things i do occasionally is what um munch 
um, I was adding some cranberries in the other week, trying to yeah. get actual cranberries this time of year. Didn't really work. No. Frozen fruit. Right? <laughs> Is that a thing? Can we do that? Yes, absolutely. Um, do I have any in the freezer? Is it better to do frozen or dried? That's that's going to be my Either. question. Either. Okay. So, I mean, obviously there are dried fruits that dogs can't have. Raisins. Like raisins. Never yeah. feed your dogs grapes and raisins. Exactly. I um, don't care if your Labrador in 1972 had one and didn't die. Don't feed your dogs raisins. And that's because the grapes in 1972 were completely different from the grapes now. The reason why so many people are like, my dog, eh, I've had dogs for 50 years. Yeah. We don't, it's an, it's a newer thing. Mm. Um, I remember coming home from, from work one day and um, dad is with delight throwing grapes across the room for my puppy, puppy, she was a little, to mm. catch. He was like, she's dead good at catching. I'm like, are you feeding my fucking puppy grapes, dad? And he was like, yeah. I was like, dogs can't have grapes. He was like, that's absolute bollocks. My dogs have always enjoyed a grape. Like, you have not had a dog since, like, 1956, Dad. This is ridiculous. Now I have to call a vet. He was like, I think you're being a bit ridiculous. And I was like, I'll put the vet on speakerphone and he can tell you what happens to their kidneys if they eat grapes. And no one knows. No one knows if they can eat three or 300. No one knows how many grapes a dog can eat. It's really freaking weird, isn't it? Like, yeah. what is that? Also, um, so we, we have a chocolate eater in the house and there have been a few emergency vets due to her thieving chocolate brilliantly yeah. she's a bit I mean, what is it with avocados why can't dogs have avocados it's bullshit avocados is bullshit dogs can have avocados oh whoa yeah. hang on stop press okay. <laughs> because i'm not gonna lie do you know how many times dale because dale's a big fan of an avocado and he'll be making his lunch and if he drops even a sliver i'm like no. slow motion <laughs> yeah no it's not it's not stone and it's because of the pith so if they eat the this is the thing about so many things that are supposedly toxic to dogs is what happens is a dog will get because dogs have if they've stolen something they're not going to eat it carefully they're not going to be reserved so if a dog steals a Christmas cake, they'll eat the whole shitting thing. And the thing in that, that's the problem, is the grapes and the raisins. Yeah. But because of everything else that goes in it, what you then get is associated um, toxicities. So wow. because of everything that's in a Christmas cake, if you Google, is cinnamon toxic to dogs? They'll be like, yes, because it's in Christmas cake. Is nutmeg toxic to dogs? Yes, because it's in Christmas cake. Cloves. So... It's by association. So my you, dogs have definitely eaten cloves when we've been doing scent work stuff. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, as well with any poison, the poison really is in the quantity. Um, some things, you know, it doesn't matter the quantity. You 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 are. We know that chocolate, like chocolate, dark chocolate, forty percent cocoa. Don't fuck around with it. Go to the no. vet. If it's a square of if it's a square of dairy milk that's got. Co bugger all cocoa in it and your dog's big and it's had one little bit i'm sure you'll be fine um but yeah the strong strong chocolatey stuff no not not, yeah. not good um but yeah avocados so, and avocados so the reason why avocados are purported as being this disastrous thing to feed dog is literally because of the piss and the, the, the skin and the stones so dogs will have been taken to the vets having found a, a stash a punnet whatever of avocados eating the whole flipping thing and having these massive 
indigestible, perfect size for blocking a digestive tract stone in their stomach. Mm -hmm. Or they'll choke on it and it'll obstruct the airway and they'll die that way. And then the skin doesn't digest very well and just impacts and and that can cause an obstruction too. Coming from horsey world, I'm very familiar with impacted guts and colic. Exactly. Exactly. So there's that. But the actual flesh... It's not a massive. So I was like, is it because it's like high in fat? Like, is it like I I was actually driving yesterday going, I must ask Collie about Africa. Yeah. <laughs> After this, I'll try and find that I've got one. It's a it's a study, it's a literature review mm. of the literature around toxicity. So it covers everything in there, avocados, garlic, macadamia, and then each Yeah, each because garlic's topic. another weird one because for years I've fed garlic to horses, yeah. always gave the horse garlic. And the dogs would have a bit of garlic and I'd be like, yeah, it's fine. Like, would I feed them a whole freaking garlic with like all the little pe- No, because that's probably going to make them a bit ill. I would probably be a bit ill if I ate all that garlic. Well, it came from, a, so the garlic thing came from a study, which um, again, our much maligned beagles, they basically just needed to find out how much garlic a dog could have before it killed them or before it caused a problem. Um, and while it didn't kill them, it did cause hemolytic anemia. But you're talking and the, the other thing about it is it was an intragastric test so the dog didn't eat it it was put directly into the dog's stomach oh yeah so it's not even like the dog chose to eat it it's not like it was put in food a dog would not choose to eat as much garlic as what caused the hemolytic anemia um the case study that people cite was two chihuahuas in china that got hemolytic anemia from being fed a lot of garlic so they that study does not trump a toxicity study where it was found that, you know, if you feed a dog five whole bulbs of garlic every day for two weeks, it's going to cause some problems with their blood cells. No, it's Sherlock, really? Okay, cool. And as I say, it was intragastric. And the other thing that that study said was as soon as it stopped, the blood cells returned to normal. So it wasn't even like permanent damage. Um, and the thing about that is, is if that same study had been done in humans, which they wouldn't because no one's going to intragastrically test that mm-hmm. on a human yeah no that's not going to put a, an open catheter into a, into a, a, a human stomach because guess what it's probably not ethical so you know exactly so what they determined is is that the the component of, of garlic um that causes the the issue and um, in fact actually do you know what the study wasn't even garlic i don't think i think it was onions it was onions not garlic but because they're in the same family, the family. This is where mm-hmm. Yeah, a little, a little bit of garlic really, really isn't going to cause an issue. The, the people that try and cite evidence to say that it's true, that it does because cause... Because obviously, like Christmas, you know, or like if we've been cooking and Dale's put onions in it, I'm like, oh, no, the dogs can't have that because it's got onion in it. I, I still... So if I've made bolognese, I'm going to get in so much trouble, but I don't, I don't care. Um, so if I've made a bolognese and there's a bit left over, I know there's onion and garlic in it, but I also know that, how much would it be between? So say, let's say that each dog gets like a dessert spoonful. The amount of onion that he's in that dessert spoonful of bolognese that I've just used as a food topper to share amongst them because there was some left. Yeah. It's not going to cause a problem. Okay. 
it's, cold. You know, it's not, and especially if you see your dog chomping down on an onion, that's not ideal. And that's we're not, not saying, okay. You're not yeah. saying grab an onion and start grating it over your dog's dinner. No. Well, well, if you know, if they if they ingest a small amount for you know either on purpose or by accident, you know, don't don't worry. Um, large amounts are the problem with these things. Yeah. So you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't do like you say. You wouldn't purposefully put onion in a dog's food. I do purposefully put garlic in the dog's food. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that toxicity review that I told you about under garlic, it actually says that firstly, garlic is licensed and approved as um, a dog by FEDIAC, by, by Europe, um, as being an approved ingredient in dog food. Yeah. So it's it's fine for all because the dog it's food. Good dog for blood, it's good for repelling flies, yeah. like that's what we used to do for the yeah. horses, all of that and stuff. It says all that in there, in that toxicity review, in the overview of the literature, it says that in there. It says that as well as being an approved food stuff for dogs, um, it has the following benefits, and that's because the sulfates are in it. And it's also approved, the components of it are approved as card. Uh, I think it's cardiac medicine. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say we used to give it to the horses because it's meant to be good for their blood yeah. and their heart. So, yeah. and people talk about it as well for pests like parasites for keeping fleas off and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a wormer and things like that. So, it's not. Well, it is. It is the garlic. It is the garlic that does that. But the component in the garlic that does that is is um, anything sulfuric. So. It doesn't matter what the food is. If it's got a decent amount of sulfur in it, it's going to antagonize parasites. So the, sul- the sulfides, in it, they, they come out through the skin. Um, fleas, ticks, mites, stuff like that do not like sulfates. Fungus yep. does not like sulfates. And we know this because when we're treating an animal with um, an infectious like skin problem, like mites or scabies or ringworm and stuff like that, then we'll use something called um, lime sulfur, um, and it just stinks like rotten eggs and it's yeah. those those sulfates they're the active thing um and that's why it works but obviously massive burdens massive infections stuff like that don't be thinking that garlic's going to solve all your problems like yeah treat the dog for whatever's wrong with it and then we'll make it you know we'll we'll repair the damage after with all the nice foods and stuff so one of the other things I know you're you're into, and again, thank you to the group, is you're quite into using herbs in, um, it is pretty holistic way, isn't it? It's yeah. about using herbs in the diet, but Placid. Placid has been... <laughs> Wish I'd never fucking mentioned it. <laughs> No, I mean, honestly, no, I, I love you. To just calm people down while I was busy in the pandemic, and I was like, right, I'm going to find one product that will do all of the things, um, and then I can just post it on the group, and people will leave me alone because that's what everyone wants to calm their dog. So that's what I did. I went and found something that was that was. But do you know what? Right, and this this is in all honesty. So Dodge is on Placid permanently. Yeah. Um, we did a little trial. To be fair, I should I should do another one where I take him off it for a couple of weeks. But I did a little like, mm, let's see if it's actually doing anything. Let's take him off it. To, oh my fucking god, give it the freaking my herbs again. <laughs> Honestly, he so Munch has it from October till January through firework period to help her yep. deal with that. But honestly, for Dodge, with him being an adolescent male with very large emotions, because mm. I don't like the word reactive. Because we all fucking react. Um, <laughs> yeah. He just has big feelings about stuff. Yeah. And the way he portrays it, if the Chihuahua did it, everyone would laugh. 
because he is a large German Shepherd, everyone poops their pants and moves the fuck away. Yeah. Which helps, which then reinforces him being a twat and shouting. Yeah. With Placid, he is manageable. Without Placid, the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> Literally. It, it's, for it me, like, finding that supplement and... It has really helped. So here we go. Funny story. Then told my best friend about it and went, yeah, yeah, I found it's really good supplement. She's got a, um, she's got a Mally and a Herder. Nice, calm dogs anyway. <laughs> and um, her, her Herder is noise sensitive. So I said, I'll try her on the Placid, you know. So how much are you giving them? So a scoop, like meaning like a 10 mil scoop. No, because it comes with a 50 mil scoop. No, it <laughs> comes with a 150 mil scoop. <laughs> I've got one. She actually gave. <laughs> How did he eat it? She was like, that was enough herbs in their dinner. And they were asleep all day. <laughs> <laughs> I did, to be fair, I did have a client do the same. She was like, is it is it right? One scoop of plastic. I'm like, yes, babe. Because when all this started, it came with a 30 gram scoop. Oh and no, then, it comes with like a freaking child. Like a cup on a stick. Um, and, and I didn't realise that, that it had changed. Or sometimes I think they just put whatever the flip scoop they want in there. I don't think it's standardised. I think you just get whatever scoop you get on the day. I'm not being funny, but when you're talking ponies, like giving yeah. a pony 10 mil too much or something makes naffle difference. Oh, you're talking about a 300 kilo creature rather than... A 30 kilo creature. <laughs> but to be fair, at least, at least we know it's okay. But no, I had a client do the same. I was like, just give it, you know, um, to, to this regime, I'd, I'd, um, I'd a scoop of placid, see how that goes. And she was like, are you sure a scoop? I'm like, huh? Why? Is, what, what's the matter? She was like, well, there's more herbs than food. I'm like, by how much? She's like, well, it was like a all of it. Because I. Um, a, a lot. By a lot. I was like, show me a picture of your, of your food bowl. And I was like, um, that looks like an awful lot of plastic. Show me a scoop. And then she showed me this bloody big cup. And I was like, oh, it's the wrong scoop. It's, oh, it's basically like a quarter cup measure. In fact, it's probably a half cup measure, actually, because the girls get a quarter See? cup for their breakfast. It's probably half a cup of herbs. I'm going to find adding to these poor dogs for honestly hilarious. But so Dodge now is on like 10, a 10 mil scoop is Dodge's like good bit. But for those of you don't yeah. know, Placid is a horse up. It's a big scoop. How big is that scoop? 150? It says on it, doesn't it? Somewhere. Yeah, I think on the handle. For the listeners, Holly is looking at mils. this. It's a 100 mil scoop. Right, so. So that's 100 grams. So I was giving him 10 mil, so like a 10 gram scoop. And then she literally gave her dogs for the first time ever. Like, <laughs> it was quite funny. Well, they would have had a good rest. But yeah, they weren't freaking out about the fireworks that night because they were all comatose. Placid <laughs> is one of those supplements, though, that does seem to be a very good all-rounder for dogs that have a little bit of nervousness, a little bit of stress, a little bit of anxiety, which, let's face it, I'm not going to lie, I've been tempted to make it into a tea for myself, because, you know. Very bitter. Very bitter. Tea for yourself, for, for those effects, because... Oh, 
that's where this came from. Right. So I remember <laughs> we went off the branch. We're back to the trunk. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. So it started off with um, Pucker Herbs nighttime tea. Yes. That's where it started. Yes. Um, and it was one of the things that I'd recommend for fireworks night because it's a, it's everything that's in it is is fine. But then I was dealing with bigger dogs, like dogs that are over 30 kilograms or so, and they were needing like five tea bags, and that's really expensive. And if they were on it, if they decided to keep it on it forever, then you know you're getting into remortgage territory for the sake of tea yeah. bags. Um, so I was like, I must find something that's ticking as many of those boxes as possible, but is less expensive. Um, dog stuff and that there was nothing nothing ticking the boxes because everything has valerian in it let's let's do a quick side branch on valerian because one of my dogs i personally think that valerian causes her more stress than it does stop it yes and that's true um for some dogs and, and bear in mind placid you know it isn't for every dog there's you know all of the people that have tried it they've been the odd person saying made my dog worse doesn't matter what it is this yes. is going to happen and the thing about um some dogs behaviors um and you know collies are my thing so i know them sometimes collies can be quite um manipulative and what appears to be happening in their behavior is just them manipulating you mm-hmm. um they're maybe not quite as sad as what they look um and so with those dogs sometimes when you give it them it makes them feel that oh sprightly they'll just go harder like oh i feel really good today i'm going to totally wind you up um do you know those sort of dogs i don't, yeah, I, don't, I, know, I, don't I know i know the sort of dog i grew up with college. i don't mean dogs that are clearly suffering and just pretending like they're just pretending because it makes you feel sad i don't mean that um but there are certain there are certain few dogs that are um addicted to the drama mm. the behavior is there but perhaps the emotions are um, but also but- i do feel that yeah if if it's a behavior that's being reinforced by the owner because then it gets the dog attention of course the dog's going to repeat the behavior because it gets the attention from the person yeah. it's how you make yeah. the monkey give you cuddles yeah or i mean in my house it goes by um um so that so all the dogs will be there and they'll all be having a nice time and one of them will have something that another one wants so the one that wants something will come and snuggle me like oh i love you love you mum snuggle me and the whole time keeping an eye on the dog that's just waiting for them to get jealous of the attention that they're getting and leave the item mm. so that the other one can go and steal it that's the type of manipulation because the affection is more reinforcing <laughs> than the article yeah yeah yeah. and this is why when, when i'm like i just reward my dogs with affection they're like no toys i'm like mm, not for mine <laughs> they'd rather be told that they're wonderful and marvelous and, and be given always remember that the learner chooses the reinforcement the learner chooses the reinforcement and that is how it works oh i think holly's just broken i'm just going to pause the recording one second Right, Holly's back. We had a technical difficulty. You're back. We're cool. Let's do this. Back to Valerian. Valerian. So right at the beginning of this, we were talking about trauma and how the brain works in relation to trauma. So if you have a dog that is fearful and you use something like Valerian, like Skullcap or any other sedative, um, and I know this as well from um, from a mental health nursing. So one of the things that I specialize in is trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder. So all in the realm of this um sedatives make it worse 
And the reason why they can make um, fearful dogs worse, some, some it's helpful, mostly I've found it's not, mm-hmm. is because when you have a sedative to um, a fear response, they can't defend themselves. So imagine, imagine yourself, how you feel um, if you were drunk or if you've ever been given a medication that is sedative. Imagine then you were in um, a situation where you had to defend yourself. Would you be better able to defend yourself or worse? And would you feel more safe or less safe? Mm-hmm. And we know that you would feel less able to defend yourself and feel less safe. And as soon as a dog recognises that that is the situation, everything gets worse they have to fight harder to be heard they have to mm-hmm. everything's just more it's just amplified yeah it's just amplified yeah. um and the same with like fireworks for some dogs valerian works fine for others they're like impending doom is happening i can't run away because i'm drugged um yeah it, yeah so this is why this is why I, instead of and this is why placid works as well. But even if I'm not using placid, if I'm consulting and I'm adding herbs to the diet for dogs that are fearful, we're not sedating. There are a good few times where sedation is an excellent idea. Mm-hmm. And that is post-trauma. Um, and to be honest, I would probably use vet sedation really. And that's about how you want the memories filed yeah. Um, one of a better way in the brain so post-trauma absolutely sedation kosh them because it'll help it helps everything get processed without like in that first period yeah stacking of trauma can occur so for that completely separate thing and not really something that I touch in consultation if someone asks me I'm like you need to see your vet and these are the drugs that you need and this is why um yeah. but otherwise for a dog that generally mm, is fearful has big feelings has um big responses to stimuli um for that what you need to do is help calm the central nervous system it's the central nervous system that's you know intrinsic in in all of these responses so if you make it less sensitive um then you're going to get a better response and the way that that works with Um, placid and the herbs I use I'm a big fan of chamomile as well so the way that chamomile works is that it relaxes smooth muscle so it's not really anything particularly to do with the brain although um, some some evidence suggests that it kind of works on the GABA channels so similar to like diazepam and those sort of things not in a sedative way because it's so mild but if you relax the body and the best way I can describe this is um, my my friend has Botox in her forehead because she frowns so much that she gives herself a headache mm-hmm. so she's had some Botox and she was like and you know since I've not been able to frown I'm a happier person because she can't because she physically can't well, frown smile she therapy can't. is a thing we yeah. know that smile therapy is a thing you know exactly. making people smile makes them feel happier yes it's a exactly. thing. so if the body if the smooth muscles in the body are feeling more relaxed then you're not going to get as much of the physical reaction of something's triggered and you go, if you can't, if you can't realize people can't see me, I'm doing all of these gesticulations. No, but when you tense your shoulders and your chin comes in and you bring your shoulders up and, you know, we always say like, relax your shoulders. Yeah. When you relax your body, it helps to relax your mind, doesn't it? Yeah. So that's, that's how the chamomile works for, for, um, dogs that that 
can have emotional responses to triggers mm-hmm. um the other thing that's in there is lemon balm yeah so called melissa and when you look at that in studies the most interesting studies about that particular herb have been with um alzheimer's because it helps with um cognition so it helps with how the brain um kind of roots things basically mm-hmm. um so the studies for dementia were basically showing so where the parts of the brain are, are blocked and that's causing the um reduced cognition or altered cognition when you add the lemon balm or melissa it helps other receptors just like wake up a little bit more for want of a better word it's like a circuit like an electrical circuit if that one's blocked it helps find a different route yeah and that's really helpful for dogs that have um quite ingrained responses to certain stimuli because if you're creating more pathways in the brain it gives you an in for your training yeah um, and this is the thing about it i mean you're you're a trainer so you'll know when when these things don't when i do sorry when i do do these things and i tell people to give these dogs these things i'm like in conjunction with a training program if you need to yeah. change behavior yeah, yeah, sprinkles yeah. In, is not going to do it sprinkles and yeah proactive well it's behavior. like diet and exercise yes yeah yeah, yeah. exactly meant to do both the things yeah and if if it's there to improve cognition and help with memory and all of these things mm-hmm. then you know you, you're wasting an opportunity if you're giving this stuff and not doing the training yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because it helps it stick lime flower that's in there is 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 calming and um, again it calms the central nervous system more than um it being sedative or anything like that it just mm-hmm. kind of helps with general kind of buzziness and and, and being a bit on edge yeah. um all of these things really help with behavioral modification it helps give you an in so the other thing that um i i say about that is it's it's not it's not massive it's a split second so if your dog has zero flash to bang time there's a trigger and they're like boom heads exploded yeah it's not going to make that go away what it's going to give you is a millisecond for you to go oh, something's going to happen, so we can do this instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives you, it just gives you, you know, we're not superhuman and we don't have crystal balls, so it just gives you that opportunity to when you see something going to happen, that you've got more of an in to do something about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, from the point of view then with Dodge, with everything you're saying there, because as a shepherd and from the breeding he's come from, he is hyper aware of everything. Everything. One of the things that's been wicked since we've been competing indoors, the joys of competing indoors is you have three sides of the arena where nothing is happening. Yeah. Which for his world is amazing because now there's only one bit where there might be something that you might have to shepherd and the rest of it, you can just get on and actually do your freaking work like I'm asking you to. And everyone's like, oh my God, he's so much faster, he's so much quicker. And I think part of it is down to the supplements we've got him on. Part of it is me knowing that, yes, he has hip dysplasia, but he's now having regular physio. He's having hydro. We've got a new exercise regime. He's on painkillers if needed. Um, You know, so I'm aware of that side of it. But also, when you reduce the distraction (laughs) of the dog and you would change the environment so the dog is capable of working of course he's going to be fucking quicker because he only has to lollygag on one line now not four yeah yeah 
exactly. And it's, I think, I, again, it's, it's, it's herdy dogs, but I find that when, when I talk about environment a lot with people, um, you know, what environments is this behavior occurring in, which environments make it worse, which environments make it better. These things are really important. Like I know my own dogs, like being on the beach, awful for Flynn, awful. He's like vast expanse of nothingness. What do I do with this? There's nothing to focus on. Yeah. He doesn't know where the end point is because he can't see the end point because it's just, it goes on forever. Mm -hmm. So there's nowhere for him to get to. And being a collie, what he likes to do is get to somewhere, be like, yeah, he got there. And then come back and be like, I got there. Um, and, yeah. and, and this is what they do. They, they run as fast as they possibly can to a tree. And they're like, I saw the tree. And then they come run back and they're like, I saw the tree. I'm going to go find another tree. Run very fast and find it. And then come back and tell you, I found another tree. Um, and this is what they do. They're looking you know, they're looking to interact with their environment and you take him to a beach and he's like, huh? where, where do I go from here? So yeah. instead what they do then is they just like run around me in circles. Like you're the focal point. And that's very annoying. And it, it, <laughs> those are freaking trip hazards. Yeah, his brain just can't cope with it. He totally can't cope with the lack of work that being on a beach creates. So Mingus doesn't like the beach because it's dirty and it's wet and it smells and it's unacceptable. <laughs> oh, bless them. So yeah, so <laughs> between a collie and a chihuahua, ladies. And yeah, 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 absolutely. But things like that influence, like what you would use. Yeah. Like I mean, it, I mean, obviously, I just say maybe don't walk on the beach because your dog hates it um but if you know if there are certain things that are unavoidable if it's if it's certain points of their their biochemistry in terms of the behavior mm -hmm. um then we can use herbs and things to adjust that yeah and it's the same the same for, for anything really we can use herbs to adjust biochemistry for arthritis for liver disease for kidney mm -hmm. disease you know um, i mean one of the again my simple simple things it doesn't matter what's wrong with the dog's bladder i'll say give them rose hip but it it's a dead easy way of fixing it it's well studied it's cheap as chips it's palatable can get quite a lot of it you know into a dog's diet and it's therapeutic and you know for things like dogs that get struvite stones you know these dogs that you get told that they're going to be on this urinary diet kibble that awful forever and ever and ever amen and they can never go off anything else because they've had struvite stones i'm like or oh, you could feed them what the hell you like and put plenty of rosehip in it to make the urine acidic and then those stones won't form mm -hmm. and usually they've formed because of an infection yeah um and it's the the bacteria producing um Ugh, nitrates and things but that's that make, good to know yeah. because like i didn't realize that about the rose hip i've always done the whole kind of cranberry thing hence why we've had frozen cranberries in the house recently <laughs> i was like oh she needs cranberry cranberry juice is full of a lot of sugar so i was like yeah. right i don't think giving the dog cranberry juice is gonna work so let's just give it actual cranberry because yeah. it was over christmas i don't really need to you can only really get the cranberries frozen, can't you? It's you hard find to find in this country, like, actual cranberries, because I don't think yeah. we grow them here, because I don't think we have the right pondy, swampy type environment. Massive, aren't they, cranberry fields? Are they in Canada or something? I don't know. Yeah, so, or America. I don't know. America, somewhere. But rose hips, they, they do the same thing. They do the same thing. They're extremely That's high in vitamin C and they acidify the urine. 
Um, and they're also really good for joints. So this was one of the things I've suddenly gone, oh, with Dodge's magical potions and sprinkles and wizardry that he has in his dinner now, Rose Hip is one of the other things I've just got for him to start potentially yeah. adding if if it helps him and if it will help him and that kind of thing. Yeah, Rose Hip's really well studied for, in humans, by the way, you won't find anything for dogs, but in humans, uh, quite well studied for its um, benefits for arthritis. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure why either. That's that's been studied too. And there's a, there's a school of thought that obviously vitamin C um is a good one, helps with cartilage uh mm-hmm. repair. Um, although really vitamin C you kind of think about it more in terms of ligaments and tendons and stuff. Yeah. Um but it it does, it does help. It, it helps a lot. And the other one that's I think forgotten about a lot of times um for joint support is time. It's just achieved. I have it in my garden. In fact, I have four different types in my herb garden. All of it. And it grows like wildfire as well. Um, and yeah, time is, is a good one for joint care. It's it's a really old, old fashioned. So I can literally uh, go out there, take some little clippies, sprinkle, yeah. done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's got good anti-inflammatory properties. We know how good it can be. I mean, have you seen my kennel cough recipe? Time is the main thing in that for, you know, for helping soothe kennel cough. Time is very soothing. Um, So time's a good one to add as well. Mm -hmm. Obviously there's, you know, Boswellia and... That's the other one we're on now. He's so... um, A joint supplement, greenlit muscle, rose hip. That's kind of where we are as our basis of it's a bit wonky then the other thing with with um, joint care as well is vitamin e um okay. you, you need the, the, the vitamin e is really important as well um as, a, as an antioxidant um and for keeping joints correct so i just an just a kind of standard evening primrose capsule that would probably do for the vitamin e um, he actually used to have that when we were going through the height of adolescence to help kind of balances hormones. hormones down a bit not that i think it you know when it's one of those things i wasn't sure if it was actually working but i didn't dare take him off of it in case okay. it was yeah. adolescent boys that are really really feeling the testosterone quite like pumpkin seed for that um it's got it's dht which is a something hydroxy testosterone now raw or cooked um, I just whiz them. I just get pumpkin seeds, just normal ones, and I just whiz them in a little blendery thing. I think some people coffee grind them, and I just chuck them in food. Um, so it's, ooh, I would say, a teaspoon per five kilograms. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously Halloween has been and gone, and there were a lot of pumpkin seeds. We actually roasted them on the uh, on the barbecue. Oh my god, they were yummy. Yeah, really right. yummy, and it was like one for me, and I was like letting the dogs have them because I was like, well, they've only been roasted on the barbecue; they'll be fine. So yeah, and oh, they're quite nice with cinnamon and honey on as well, roasted. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. So why? So cinnamon and nutmeg, because you've mentioned those. We've because yeah. obviously we've mentioned about the herbs. You don't hear about spices being kind of helpful unless it's turmeric and then that can cure cancer oh okay right so golden paste is one of those things that for many many years 
ones always say golden paste, golden paste, golden paste, golden paste. Now, if I'm correct, research is now showing that turmeric doesn't actually do as much as... Mm. No, it doesn't. Not for the amount that you need. I'm sorry to upset people, but it's never been anything that... I've... Also, like, if you get that under your nails, you look like you've smoked 50 a day. It's not a thing. It's, it's really... And also... um when when I did, I mean, it was a long time ago. I used to just, I didn't think it was going to help joints or anything. I just, you know, turmeric's a, a good thing. Um, and that came from when I looked into, um, it was something to do with cancer studies mm -hmm. and how people in um, some Asian countries have loads of lower risk of cancers and stuff like that, etc. etc. And but, um, one of the things that's in their diet okay yeah um but so are loads of other spices and you know loads of other you know you know i'm not gonna lie right i love my dogs but saffron's gonna get expensive real freaking quick yeah exactly <laughs> and i just found personally i just found it didn't help my dog's mobility at all my older dogs didn't help the mobility at all um and in in the kind of recommended amounts if i gave them more so really upped it at the point i started seeing a benefit she smelt so badly of cat piss that it oh and then apparently the way to counteract the cat piss smell was to give them cinnamon but it has to be ceylon or kilon or however you spell it cinnamon and not this cinnamon and it just got really complicated and i was like you know what for the amount of benefit that it's having which is very little then I'm gonna I'm gonna look into other things, and that's when I found all of the things that I use now. So turmeric, fair enough, chuck it in for um for sort of general health benefits, but I really don't think that it treats as much as it's purported to treat. You have to get a really high curcumin content for that to happen. Yes, it needs to be piggybacked onto a fat because it's fat soluble. Yes, you need to have black pepper in there because the oh. um pepperdine helps activate it. But all of this is a lot of faffing when there are other things that you can use that are better. I might trigger you now. <laughs> Don't trigger you, all right? I'm not triggerable. Uh -huh. um, coconut oil. Yeah. Okay. So coconut <laughs> oil is one of those things that, again, like depending on what Facebook group you've read the information on, you can cure everything with coconut oil. Yeah. Now, yes, it does definitely have the benefits and it is good fats and it's yeah. cool. But I can remember, so this kind of comes back to the turmeric thing. I remember trying to make golden paste myself. Mm -hmm. Messy. Yeah. There was a lot of yellow. There was a very grumpy husband. And I remember making the thing, burning a little bit in the pan as well, which was not ideal. And I don't cook. There's a reason I don't cook because I'm shy to it. <laughs> And when I'd gone to painstakingly, lovingly make this magical golden paste that was going to stop my dogs from hurting and all the rest of it, none of the feckers would eat it. No. I mean, if I gave them a little bit of coconut oil in their dinner, they'd eat that. Yeah. Turmeric's that, it's a really earthy flavour, isn't it? I mean, when... I mean, even my old terrier that would literally eat mud was like, the feck is that uh, it's a bit um and then if you've got the pepper in there as well it's all a bit you know it's quite earthy it's quite bitter it's it's quite strong yes. um yeah but coconut oil on its own 
Coconut oil on its own. So I use coconut oil really specifically. Um, so I use coconut oil for fuel. That's literally it. So solid fats, fats that are solid at room temperature. Um, I prefer to give those for a purpose. So so if we're at a competition and Dodge has done two runs yeah. and he's got two runs left, a little bit of coconut oil. Yeah. Well, stick it on his breakfast for that day. So yeah. a good dollar up on his breakfast for that day. But, you know, I'm not a massive fan of doing the same things every day anyway. Um, mm. I just don't think, firstly, I don't think it's sustainable. I often find when, you know, talking through new diets with people, it's very much like, um, you know, if you go to Weight Watchers or Slimming World, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do everything right for the first two weeks. I'm going to lose loads of weight. I'm going to get results. And yeah. And then eventually it gets boring or life gets in the way. Or and, then, and then cake. And then cake. And then cake. So this is what it can be a little bit like with our dogs. We have all these good intentions. We do all the reading. We do all the research. We plan to put it in place. We put it in place. It doesn't last very long. And then, you know, all of the, you look at your dog and you think that they might be a little bit lame. You're like, oh shit, I've been doing the thing that I was supposed to do every day for like the past week. You know, all of these things. Or, you know, your, your dog's been a total twat and you're like, oh yeah, there's sprinkles that stopped them being a twat. I haven't done that for three weeks. All of these things, it, it, you know, it, sometimes there is a benefit for doing certain things every single day and then sometimes there is a benefit for making your life and your dog's life easier the whole of the internet says that coconut oil and turmeric will cure death um you know it'll stop a plague it, it, it doesn't matter what well, the clearly pro- that didn't fucking work did it Certainly <laughs> didn't but it seems that it doesn't matter what the problem is turmeric and coconut oil and apple cider vinegar seem to be the answer oh apple cider vinegar is the other we used to put a glug of that in the horse's dinner yeah i mean and it, it freaking reeks that stuff it, yeah I've, I've got five liters of it in the cupboard um so there are all of these things that all have reported health benefits that lots of people feel that they should be adding to the dog's dinner every single day if that is coconut oil would you want to eat coconut oil every single day because it makes everything taste coconutty and then you know what I mean the other thing about coconut oil which is probably quite interesting for you with the training that you do um is that for dogs that do scent work it reduces their ability to smell and it reduces their spectrum of smell because it coats the tongue and they need to pass the air through the nose over the tongue and do all that when the you know, when, when a dog really needs to hone in on a smell and they slightly open their mouth and, and, and they roll that air backwards and forwards over the back of the palate and the tongue. Yeah, if yeah, a dog's yeah. had coconut oil within a reasonable time frame of needing to do that because a dog doesn't have a mobile tongue, so things will sit on the tongue for longer, they can't smell as well. So if you've got a dog that does scent work and uses their nose, don't be giving them coconut oil every five minutes. I mean, the study that influenced that, it wasn't all of the dogs that it happened to, but it was... But, but the thing is that that makes sense in the way that the dog senses work. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that. Okay, cool. So. It is saturated fat. So I tend to use saturated fats if that fat is going to be used for in fairly immediate or within a day energy production. For mm-hmm. day-to-day oils, I think clear oils are better. Um, yes, there's lots of info now about seed oils and and things and they cause inflammation but it depends on your seed oil um corn oil obviously terrible um things like that not you know not good but if it's a good quality olive oil 
We know the health benefits of good quality olive oil. Italians eat it every day. And oh, we have we have the fancy extra virgin stuff. So yeah, it's it's one of those things that it's worth putting a bit more money into if you're going to be using it regularly. So a little slush of olive oil, it's you know it's not too strong of a flavour. Dogs seem to like it. That's that's fine to have as a kind of daily staple for keeping skin nice and and stuff mm. like that. Another one, um, hemp seed oil. Yes, it's a seed oil, but it's not a bad one. And if it's cold pressed, it's fine. Hemp seed oil is nice for vitamin E, so it's pumpkin seed oil. Um, all of these things, fine. But I think anything that, and do you know what? It doesn't matter if it's a food or a person or an item. Anything that has too much of a hero status, I would always question. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That that's that is very true, actually. Especially. Did that just make my... you think? Then your face was like. Mm. I was like. Oh, well, I was going to name a celebrity and then decide that I probably shouldn't do that. So, you know, because allegedly, but allegedly, um, Holly, thank you so, so much. I feel that I may need to sneak you back on at another point, maybe. It's just like brewing a chat. I feel really bad that I didn't, if I haven't covered enough nutrition, we can. We no, it's not, no, but this, my listeners are used to stuff. They're used to the branches and the tangents. It's perfectly normal. This is my world. They come back because they love it. And listeners, we do love you and thank you. Um, so Holly, if people want to find you. <laughs> I have to try very hard. <laughs> I'm elusive on purpose. No, no, no. Um, if 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 you need me, if you if you well, if you want to find me, you can find me on my group, which is but, um, and honestly, the Facebook group is amazing and I love it. So it's the Holly Barker Sport Dog Nutrition, and that is yeah. on the book face. Do you have Instagram? Do you do the Insta? I have an Instagram, but I mainly just use it to stalk pretty people. Um. <laughs> <laughs> do you have the tiktok because i'm not down with the kids. i do not have the tiktok no, i don't have the tiktok i feel i'm too old for TikTok. it seems like a lot of effort like all the ones i watch there's people doing a lot of moving um and i'm 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 mainly a sedentary person no, um, i'm a hooper's handler i don't do running <laughs> this is the thing this is why i have border collies i stand still and they go and do the exercise um yeah, I, I don't have the TikTok. I have the Instagram. It's Sport Dog Nutrition Holly on Instagram, I think. Um, it's not very interesting, my Instagram. It's not updated very often. Every now and then I'll chuck in a selfie. Every now and then I'll chuck in a selfie. Um, and there's, there's maybe, oh, there's maybe like the odd recipe somewhere. Um, but yeah, mainly it's my Facebook group. Yeah, and there is so much information yeah. on the Facebook group. Yeah. And if you go into the search function and put in whatever it is you feel yeah. you want to know about it's probably going to be in the group in the search function and if not you can track holly down but she is a difficult lady to pin down <laughs> which is why this podcast episode has taken too long to sort out but we will forgive <laughs> sorry nurse during a global yeah. pandemic well, honestly, the, the, the group is yeah the group is the best and most appropriate way to get me for sure um consultations i'm not doing them at the minute i'm having some time off but mm -hmm. when i back into the swing of things i'll post on the group and I'll let you know but you you know it's it's um it's it's the place to ask questions cool. and, and get them answered if it's an easy fix if it's if it's literally just going to be like a, a a question that just needs me to 
give you a link or a sprinkle or anything if it's an easy fix then I'll just I'll just tell you on there um yeah. you know I'm the world's worst businesswoman when it comes to making money I could probably just a little bit yeah I know everyone tells me everyone tells me I'm terrible at making although money. the fat bomb re recipe for a fiver is worth it <laughs> yes my five pound fat bomb recipe is good I should do more of those I'll you do should. more really I'll do should. five pound recipes um that are easy and stuff yes uh, you can find me find me on the group cold right so guys <laughs> always um you can find my dogs on instagram at dodge shepherd at minx chihuahua canine hoops world is on the insta and on the facebook and remember we have the new achievement awards those are new for 2022 so that's very exciting so if you want to get your hoopers groove on at home without needing to go to classes you can find all of that on the website so until next time guys stay safe be kind wash your hands thoroughly keep your dogs on lead around livestock and don't let them lick toads take care guys bye www.caninehooperswild.com Canine Hoopers World now has achievement awards online so anyone, anywhere can test their teamwork and get one of our beautiful rosettes. There's even one for puppies. The website will tell you more about that and Hoopers, how to find an instructor. We also offer online training. There are beginners courses, we offer online training in distance handling and there are instructor courses for dog trainers. Join us on Facebook. We have a friendly international group and follow us on Instagram at Canine Hoopers World. Canine Hoopers World, everyone's invited. <laughs>